Hey, welcome to Victory Church. Do me a favor, air high five some folks, maybe if you can. Hug a neck if you're close enough. Just tell everybody, welcome, so good to have you here. Welcome to all of our family that's watching online. As you can tell, it is a good day for you to tune in here to Victory Church. Hey, can we just give our worship team real quick just a hand, of, hand clap of praise for a second or however you would say that, an applause, uh, just to say thank you. I don't, I don't know that, I don't ever want us to get to a point where we take for granted what we get to experience in worship. Every time that Darla and I are, are out of town or we're doing something, we start talking about the church, people who have watched it online will always bring up the worship. And we always just say the stories are incredible, how we met some of the people and the stories behind it. And so I don't ever want to get to a place where we take for granted what God has given us, both not only in worship, but you ready for this? Can we give it up for our production team real quick? Come on, come on, put the hands together. Because none of this happens. Look, here's the real check. None of these people are even talented. It's all the production team that's making it seem that way. I'm just kidding. Hey, amen. I heard one amen. Uh, Hey, welcome to Victory Church. My name is Troy. Uh, I just want to give you a couple of quick announcements before we jump into the word today. Number one, if you are visiting with us today, whether you are visiting with us in person or whether you're visiting with us online, I want to ask you to do something if you don't mind. If you'll text the words VICTORY18 to 31996. What, what's going to happen when you do that? It's going to send you a digital connection card. It's kind of our way to do our best to stay contactless during this season. Um, but when you get that card, you'll be able to fill it out, put different information in there, and, and you'll see some, some boxes on the bottom that you can check. And it really is an opportunity for you to ask any question, to get any information you need, whether uh, you want information on salvation, baptism, small groups, getting connected in the dream team. There's all kinds of boxes you can check there. And then if your question or your concern is not there, there's a box that says other, and you can click that and you can ask anything, say anything. It'll send it to us. And then we will reach out and connect with you this week and just try to do the best we can at answering your questions and getting you to the next step. We're really big here at Victory at getting you to the next step. You're coming on Sundays. You're enjoying Sunday. Now let's talk about uh, freedom, guiding to freedom, small groups, discipleship, and then into serving, dream team, giving, and then in our outreach and all that we do in our community as well as our global outreach. Also, if, if you are wanting to give towards victory, whether that's through tithe or whether that's through, um, maybe you're just wanting to give a one-time donation, just wanting support, there are three ways that you can give. It's coming up on the screen as well as online that you can do that through text to give, website, um, online. There's a giving box in the back as you walk out, a little black giving box. And just wanted to give you some of those directions on how you could do that if you came in and said, hey, I, I want to, but I don't know how. There you go. Uh, Last but not least, one quick announcement for those of you that are here in person or those of you that are watching online that plan on coming back here soon, especially Easter Sunday. Up to this point, since we opened, we opened in late December, and so we've been open now for a couple of months, and since then, we have been uh, directing you, those that are attending in person, to the front parking lot where you've been parking, you've been coming in, and we've actually been directing those that are serving on Sunday to park on this side parking lot. Well, if you were a part of Victory before the pandemic, you would know that it was flip-flopped. We actually had those that were serving parking in the front and those that were coming to attend church parking on the side. The reason for that is because there's double the parking spaces on the side as there is in the front. And so as we were opening up and dealing with all the different pandemic restrictions, we knew that it would take a while, and it still is taking a while for our church to come back, and we're so excited that you are. We can't wait for the rest of our family to return. But in preparation for that and in preparation, of course, for Easter Sunday, starting next Sunday, we are switching back to that. So if you are physically here, then when you pull onto the parking lot, instead of turning 
turning left to park, you will continue to go straight. Now listen, we'll have clear signage to tell you what to do. I'm just giving you a heads up, okay? Uh, I, I've, I've been in enough scenarios where the signage was clear and I was still like, what do we do? You know, I, mean, I just had one, one of those people. So I just wanted to give you a heads up. When you pull in, starting next Sunday and then moving on, you will go straight to a bigger parking area. You'll enter in a different door, and we will have switched all of the decor a different way. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Um, I just wanted to let you know, but again, signage will be clear for you when you get here. Cool? cool. All right. All right. Let's do it. You ready for the word? Yeah. Here we go. Turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, we're in a series called The Journey that actually comes to a completion today. Everybody say, oh, man, that does stink. Um, the next two weeks, though, we will kind of do, we, we won't necessarily start a new chapter in John, but we will look back at a couple different verses that we didn't address yet, and we'll, we'll set up the tone for next Sunday and Easter Sunday around the concept of, uh, of, of Easter and the resurrection and what John has to say about that. So we are in John 21 today. We're, we're, we're done with the book of John after today. So if you're in John chapter 21, you're going to start at verse 15, but I want to give you a little bit of quick context of what's happening, okay? So if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, I talked about a few things. One was that when Jesus was arrested and he was taken into trial, Peter, one of his disciples, ended up denying Jesus three times. Uh, three times somebody asked Jesus, are you a follower? Or I'm sorry, asked Peter, do you know Jesus? And Peter said, no, I don't know him. I'm not following and three times he denied him, and Jesus predicted that that would happen, and a rooster crowed and all that. And then we went on to talk about how Jesus went from being tried to being beaten, crucified, and then eventually murdered on a cross. And then, of course, three days later, he was resurrected. So that's kind of the setup for John chapter 15. All right, that, that's kind of, I'm sorry, John chapter 20. That's, that's where we've arrived to. Now, when Jesus resurrected, Peter felt really guilty for the fact that he had denied Jesus three times. And so Peter de decides he's going to go fishing on the lake. So some of the disciples say, hey, we'll go with you. So they all go to fish. They've already seen Jesus resurrected. They know he's alive, but they're going to fish. They're fishing. And while they're fishing, they're fishing at night because when you were a fisherman in those days, all you had was a simple net. And so you fished at night when it was cool because the fish would come to the top of the water. They didn't have deep sea fishing nets, so they didn't fish during the day because then the fish would go to the bottom of it. Y'all understand all that. So they were fishing at night and they caught nothing. Okay. So then morning comes, they're still on the boat, and an individual calls out to them from the beach. They don't know that it's Jesus, but it is, in fact, Jesus. And the individual says to them, have you caught anything? They say, no, we haven't. He said, then put your net on the other side of the boat, which they do, and then this time they catch this miraculous catch of fish. And when it happens, I'll explain why a little bit later, but when it happens, Peter realizes that it's Jesus, and he gets up and jumps off the boat, dives into the water, and swims toward Jesus. Meanwhile, all the disciples that he left are responsible for pulling all the fish in, um, and they pull the fish into the beach. They get up there, and then Jesus takes it all, turns into Gordon Ramsay, and starts cooking them up this awesome breakfast, all right? They eat together, and that's where we're going to pick up. John chapter 21, verse 15 says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus looks to Simon Peter and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? To which Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus told him, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. We've been over this. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. 
The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I love how real Peter is. It says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. So can you imagine, we're reading it on text, but can you imagine this response when he goes, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, what's going on, man? Like, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. We talked a few weeks ago about the fact that Jesus had him say it three times so that he could reinstate him for the fact that he denied him three times. But here's where the conversation gets interesting. Here's where I really want us to settle in today. Jesus goes on to say, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and then lead you where you do not want to go. Then the Bible says that Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he looked at Peter and he said, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Theologians say, this is John. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Don't you love that? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? And then he looks at Peter and he says, you must follow me. As we begin to bring this series to a close, 28, I think, 29, maybe weeks, this is by far the longest uh, amount of time we've ever spent on one series here at Victory Church. We've gone through the book of John. We've learned everything about Jesus. We've solidified the fact that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that he's the only way, that he's resurrected, that uh, he prayed for us for unity, the fact of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about everything that we could possibly talk about through the Gospel of John to learn about who is Jesus. And now that we've learned all of these things and we get ready to wrap a bow on this series and package it up, there are two words that literally sum up what you and I are to do next. And it is also the title of today's message, and it's simply this, follow me. Follow me. It all came down to this. All that's happened, Jesus showing up three and a half years ago, Jesus doing all that he's done ministry-wise, Jesus doing miracles, John refers to them as signs, and then Jesus being able to eventually get to a place where he is being proclaimed king, the, the, the king of the Jews, the son of God, all of these things that lead to him being arrested, tried, crucified, murdered, resurrected. All of this leads up to him giving one simple invitation to the disciples and to you and me, and that invitation is, follow me. In 1978, a man by the name of Michael Hart wrote a book called The 100. It was the 100 most influential people in history. That was the book. It was all about the 100 most influential people in history. And to, to no surprise to any of us, Jesus made the list. Jesus was on the list. Now, here was the unique part. Jesus was number three on the list. Of the 100 most um, influential people in history, number three was Jesus. He followed Muhammad and Sir Isaac Newton. That was one and two. Jesus the Christ slid in with three. Isn't that funny? Later on, they were interviewing the author and they asked him, they said, what, what in the world? Like, how, how did you get to a place in writing a book like this where Jesus Christ was number three on the most, in, you're talking about Christianity that, that took over the world. Like, how did you get to this place? And here 
is what Mr. Hart said. Jesus's influence on the world has been considerably diminished by the fact that many who claim to follow him do not abide by his teachings. Wow. In other words, those that are claiming to follow him aren't actually following him. And therefore, because of that, it's taken a little bit of hit on the, the influence that Jesus had. Um, I think when, when, when most people begin to pursue Christianity, okay, let, let's get this straight. Most people who set out to pursue Christianity don't set out to pursue Christianity because they want to follow Jesus. I know that sounds a little foreign, but just walk with me for a second. When somebody decides to start attending church, when somebody starts to put Christian on their Facebook page, they don't do that with normally, they don't do that with the, the idea or the goal of setting out to actually follow Jesus. Their interest in Christianity is normally driven by a few different things. It might be driven by their desire not to go to hell, right? Like, I want to go to church, I want to become a Christian because I don't want to go to hell, a lot of times their desire to, or their interest in Christianity is driven by the, the need to appease someone else. I'm becoming Christian so I can date her. I'm becoming Christian because my parents said so, right? It's, it's out to appease someone or just to, in hopes that God will fix their problem. So these are kind of some of the reasons that people set out to actually have an interest in Christianity. I either don't want to go to hell, I've got somebody who's, you know, wants me to be a Christian, or to be honest with you, I'm just having some hard times, and I hear and understand that God will help me, so therefore I want to be a Christian. But eventually, if you and I stick to Christianity, if you and I continue to go to church, if you and I continue to read the Bible, if you and I continue to pray, if we continue to pursue Jesus, listen to me, eventually our agenda is going to clash with Jesus's agenda. And you and I will have to decide whether we are going to follow him or walk away. Interestingly enough, in the Bible, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is referred to as the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in those four books in the Bible, the words follow me are shown 22 times. 22 times Jesus says follow me in four books of the Bible. And according to the Gospel of John, the author John, the last conversation Jesus had with his disciples, he said it twice. So, so obviously this concept, this invitation, is really important. It's something that you and I, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to attend church, if we're going to pray, if we're going to get up here and shout at a resurrection, this invitation to follow him is something that you and I should take very seriously. In those same Gospels, Jesus often encountered people that would ask spiritual questions. Matter of fact, if you just sat down and started reading the Bible, you would see moments where people are just coming up to Jesus and asking random spiritual questions. Some of them wanted to know about death and, and eternal life. Uh, some of them wanted to, to know about the experience of God's forgiveness over their failure and over their sins. Some people wanted to know how to pray. Some people wanted to understand worship. Some people just wanted to have clarity on what the words in Scripture actually meant. People are often coming up to Jesus with all these spiritual questions. And listen to me, to answer those spiritual questions, Jesus offered a simple invitation. And the invitation is, follow me. Follow me. John 21, verse 19 is where he says it to Peter. It's interesting to me that that simple invitation, those, those two words, 
that Christ spoke to 12 men over about 2,000 years ago, it changed the world. And yet here we sit today at Rock Springs Middle School on a Sunday morning slash soon-to-be afternoon. You came in here, you might be with your kids, you might not, you might be with a loved one, you might not, you might be alone, you might be married, you might be about to get married. You might be looking across going, I think I want to marry that person. You know, there's all kinds of different seasons that we're in, and yet here we are all together, and you and I have the same invitation. It's interesting to me. Jesus says, follow me. To them, and he says it to us. Everyone... Everyone is invited to follow Jesus. Do you understand that? Everyone. Doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what you came from as far as a background, economic background. Doesn't matter where you live. Everyone is invited. Look at the person beside you. If you got somebody beside you, just look at them. If there's somebody behind you, look at them. Even that person, even the person you just looked at is invited to follow Jesus. But listen to me. The invite is not an invitation to church. Now, now, everyone's invited to church, don't get me wrong, but when Jesus says, follow me, that is not an invitation to go to church. It, it's not an invitation of do's or don'ts. When Jesus says, follow me, it's an invitation to relationship. And here's the best part. Being a sinner doesn't disqualify you. In fact, it's basically a prerequisite. Think about that. Being a sinner doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. In fact, it's basically a prerequisite. Now, here's what I need you to do. I need you to just walk with me for a second. Let me give you a little bit of, of historical education so that you can understand the weight behind the fact that Jesus asked you to follow him. Because, because of the culture we're in today, somebody says, hey, follow me real quick. We don't put a lot of weight in that, right? Okay, I'm going to come see what they want. But when Jesus says to you and said to Peter and said to all of his disciples, follow me, there was something so much bigger happening, okay? Here we go. In that day, in that culture, a kid in that day, Jesus' day, would start school at about six years old, okay? So that kid would go into school at about six years old, and their curriculum, you might say, was they had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They had to memorize it all. Have you ever looked at some of those books? Could you imagine memorizing numbers? I can't even memorize numbers. You know what I mean? Like, like oh my goodness. And so at six years old, now I don't know what we're teaching in Kids. Miss Jenny's killing it in there. I'm not sure. But we're probably not making your kids memorize the first five books of the Bible. Although after Easter, we're going to start. I'm just kidding. We're not. Okay. But because you imagine at six years old, having to memorize that, me not read it, memorize it. So then as that goes, and they get to the place where they have successfully done that, here's what would normally happen. You would have a lot of people would get out of that and kind of uh, um, drop out per se, and they would start to pursue a trade. So they would go to be a blacksmith or, or a fisherman or something like that. They'd go to school for those things. And then the ones that, that were the best of the best would stay in it, and they would kind of move to the next level. The next level was they had to memorize from Deuteronomy to Malachi. So now they had to memorize the whole. I heard that. I heard that. Oh, good night. 
Can we just thank God that that's not a requirement? Some of you can't remember your phone number. You know what I'm talking about? And it had the entire, from Genesis to Malachi, the entire Old Testament. And then once they would get to that point, there would be some people who would say, this is insane, and they would drop out of that, and they would go pursue a trade, fisherman, blacksmith. But the best of the best of the best stayed in it. And their next uh, uh, level was they had to apply to a rabbi and ask, can I follow you? So they memorized the first five books of the Bible. Then they memorized the entire Old Testament. And then they went and applied to a particular rabbi and said, can I follow you? And watch this. Then the best of the best of the best of the best had a rabbi say, yes, you can follow me. Now think about this. That's the norm. That's culture. That would have been completely normal. And in steps Jesus. And Jesus was the first rabbi to ever come to you and say, hey, follow me. He wasn't waiting for you to apply. He came to you. And watch this. Then he really messed people up when instead of going to the best of the best of the best of the best of the best, he went to the Sea of Galilee and said, where are my tradesmen? And he walked into them and said, follow me. Is that not powerful? So that was culture. And Jesus is flipping culture on its head, coming to you and coming to me. And he's saying, hey, not only is it okay for you to be a sinner, it's basically a prerequisite. When Jesus said, follow me, it was not a religious request. Because religion says, if you will change, then you can join us. Then you can follow us. Jesus said, if you will follow me, then you will change. Those are drastically different. Jesus said, when you follow me, you're guaranteed transformation. You know, one day we, uh, we had an opportunity to go out of town with some of our pastoral staff back in Memphis years, years ago. And there was a bunch of us, and we were going to visit one of my pastor's, like, mentors. And we showed up, and we, we arrived at the airport, and we got out, and one of his staff members was there to get us. And he said, hey, there was a, a, a good number of us. He said, we got two cars. And so he was going to drive one. And I guess because I was the youngest, maybe the, I just looked like I didn't know what I was doing. He threw me the keys and said, here, you drive the other one. Okay. We were in uh, Modesto, California. I had never been there before in my life. I didn't know. I didn't even know how I got in the airport. You know what I'm talking about? I was just walking. And so he threw me the keys and I'm like, what do you want me to do with this? And he said, just drive the car. And I said, I don't know where I'm going. Okay. And he said, just follow me. And I was like, okay, cool. So me and a couple of the staff members get in one car. He's in the car with a couple other staff members and he's going. And y'all, I am scared to death. I'm not looking at anything around me. You know what I'm talking about? I've got, I've got friends of mine, staff members that are in there like, ooh, look at that. And I'm like, shut up. I can't, no, I gotta, I gotta watch because I couldn't lose him. Because if at any point he made a turn, I didn't see it. We were done. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I didn't know where we were going. So I, every time he made a move, it was like, I just watched him. Boom. I just went. And then eventually, after about 20, 30-minute drive, we arrive at the church, and I get out, and the guy that came to God us uh, jokingly looks at me, and he goes, hey, do you think you could get back to the airport? I said, I don't know how I got here. Like, I, I, no, I don't, even know, I don't even know where the airport is. I just simply was following you. 
How many of us struggle accepting this invitation to follow Jesus because we don't think we're going to be able to behave? We don't think we're going to be good enough. And Jesus is like, I didn't ask you to clean yourself up. I asked you to follow me. And when you follow somebody, you have to keep your eyes on them. You got to quit looking around. I love how Peter looked at John and was like, what about him? <laughs> is he going to die? You know what I mean? Like, we got to quit looking at other people and quit looking at situations and just keep your eyes on Jesus. When he says this is an invitation to follow me, he doesn't expect you to know where you're going. He understands that you've never been here before, but he throws you the keys and says, I trust you if you will just keep your eyes fixed on me. And if you'll make a right when I make a right, and if you'll make a left, when I make a left, watch this, you will get to a place of holiness, you'll get to a place of spiritual maturity, you'll get to a place in your marriage, you'll get to a place in your parenting, you'll get to a place in your quiet time, you'll get to your place in your finances, where you'll stop and go, I don't even know how I got here. If you have anybody in your life that you look up to in a spiritual sense, you just think, you would say, man, that's a man of God, a woman of God. The next time you're with them, ask them. How'd you get here? I guarantee you they'll go, I don't know. I just woke up every morning and followed him. And that at some point you get to a place of maturity, a place you always wanted to be, but you realize it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the fact that you just followed him. Unfortunately, our culture sees following Jesus as a means to an end. It's this thought pattern of like, hey, Jesus, when I follow you, I'm going to identify my plan, and I'm going to start operating my plan, and I need you, Jesus, to help me with my plan. And the second that Jesus doesn't help us with our plan the way that we expect him to, we unfollow him, right? Well, I thought it was going to do, so I'm unfollowing Jesus, Oh, I really want to do this, but Jesus wants me to do that, so I'm going to unfollow Jesus. I don't know if y'all know this, but I found this out recently. How many of y'all are on Facebook? Anybody here on Facebook? It's this new thing that's coming out. It's called social media. Yeah, some of you. Okay. On Facebook, there's this button called the unfollow button. Did y'all know that? Like, I'm not joking. This was new to me. Somebody had to tell me about this. And so when, when they showed me it, here's what I discovered is that because of the unfollow button, unfollow button, when you go to click on it, it'll literally tell you this. It'll say, when you unfollow this person, you're not going to be like removed from their friend list. You're just no longer going to get their post. <laughs> like, you know, they don't want you to offend anybody. And so they're not going to like take you off their list to where they're going like, oh, Troy unfollowed me. Like, let me call him. Like, that's not going to happen. But you will no longer see their post. So you can be their friend, technically, but you're not following them anymore, right? Like, like, like you can, your name can be on the list, but you're not engaged. And I think that's what's happening a lot in our culture today is we've got a lot of people whose name is on the list of following Jesus, but they're not engaged, right? There's this separation, the separation that would cause Michael Hart to say the reason why Jesus is number three on the list is because there's a lot of people saying they follow Jesus, but they don't abide in his teachings, in other words, they're following him, they say, but when we look up, they're nowhere near where Jesus is. You know, there's actually a pretty cool 
uh, uh, in-depth interaction that's happening with Peter and Jesus on this water when this miraculous catch happens. Because maybe as I was saying it, maybe you thought to yourself, this sounds familiar. Like, I think I've heard of this before. Well, this was the second time this exact situation had happened between Peter and Jesus. The first time it happened, Peter had just met Jesus. Jesus said, can I use your boat? Peter said, sure. So he, Jesus gets in his boat, he preaches a little bit, and then Jesus looks to Peter and says, hey, why don't you push your boat out deeper into the sea? And when he does that, now it says in the scriptures that Peter had been fishing the night before and had caught nothing, just like he did in John 21. So he's on the boat, and this time Jesus says, why don't you put your net on the other side? And Peter looks to Jesus and goes, man, look, I'm a fisherman, you're a rabbi, this, I, think, I think I know more than you. I think this is not smart, right? We don't have a deep sea fishing net. So Jesus says, trust me. So Peter does it, and he pulls out this miraculous catch, and then Jesus tells Peter at that moment, follow me. Now you fast forward. Peter has followed Jesus. I said this a couple weeks ago. He believed in Jesus. He stopped believing in Jesus. He denied that he ever believed in Jesus, and then he believed in Jesus again. And now here he is at that point, and Jesus takes him through that exact same scenario again. And it all once again ends with Jesus looking to Peter and saying, hey, follow me. And one of the reasons why I think that that illustration is not only specific to the orders of following him, but why it would happen twice is because when Jesus says, follow me, what he's really asking is this, will you do something that you've done a thousand times before, but this time will you do it differently? This time will you do it my way? When I first had that thought, I thought, well, what have we done a thousand times? Most of us have woken up a thousand times. Most of us have gone to work a thousand times or gone to school. You know, we've, we've lived life a thousand times. So when Jesus says, follow me, ultimately what he's saying is, hey, I want you to do right now what you're going to do today after church. I want you to do it. But I want you to do it a little bit differently. I want you to do it my way. Tomorrow when you get up, like you always do, I want you to do that. But I want you to do it a little bit differently. I want you to do it my way. I want you to follow me. The whole book of John, this is what I'm going to talk about next week, the whole book of John were, were all these signs and these, these moments so that you and I could be confident in the fact that Jesus was the Son of God and that he did die and resurrect and that we can follow him and believe in him like we talked about last week. Believe. We can believe in him. Now, at some point, that belief has to turn to action. And you and I have to follow Jesus. But you can't be generic when it comes to following Jesus. You have to be specific. And so I started thinking about this, and I'm like, all right, maybe I go through for our church what it means to follow Jesus, right? I go through what it means to you know, pray and read your Bible, what it means to attend church, what it means to serve in church, what it means to give financially, what it means to, to, to make disciples and to be a disciple. I could go through all of that. I could show you what it means to actually follow Jesus, to love your neighbor as your neighbor. You know what I realized? We've been talking about this for 28 weeks. We've been talking about what it means to follow Jesus. I think that us today, in, in, especially in the South, but in the Christian culture, we know what it means to follow Jesus. Where we struggle is with this question. What will it cost us? I know what it means to follow him. Matter of fact, the series we're going to do in the book of Acts, starting the Sunday after Easter, I'm going to show you clearly what it means to live for Jesus. But I don't really think that's so much our problem. 
I think our difficulty is this question. What is it going to cost us? So let's go back to John chapter 21. I think this is pretty cool that Jesus includes this in this last conversation with Peter. It says that Jesus said this. Y'all remember what he said? He said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to Peter, follow me. To which Peter turned and looked at John and said, what about him? If I'm gonna die, is he gonna die worse? And Jesus said, don't worry about him. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about you. And you must follow me. Jesus was ultimately saying, salvation is free. It will not cost you anything. But following Jesus is going to cost you something. Salvation is free. We talk about it all the time. You accept the gift of salvation. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. It costs Jesus everything. It doesn't cost you anything. But following Jesus does cost you something. I love the way that Diedrich Bonhoeffer said it. He was quoted saying this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Isn't that powerful? When Christ calls a man or a woman to follow him, what he's actually saying is come and die. Now, you might be like, now, hold on. <laughs> this is my first time visiting this church. You're talking about dying. I'm not that committed. Like, your coffee wasn't even that good. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I ain't not dying for you. Hold on. Let me see how my kid likes kids' church first before I just think if we're going to die for you. But, but, but you got to process what I'm talking about here. I, I love the fact that Jesus didn't sugarcoat the cost. Right? You ever thought about that? Like, how many times have you been in a scenario where somebody's trying to offer you something and they're kind of dancing around the cost? You know what I mean? They're, they're talking about all these different things because they don't want you to focus on the fact that it's expensive. And so then they start to sugarcoat it. Look at some of those workout commercials, you know what I'm talking about? They're like, you can just hold this shaker for two hours and you'll get abs. I'm like, come on now. Like, there's no way, right? They try to sugarcoat the cost. The good news is that Jesus never tried to sugarcoat the cost. The bad news is, is that some of us still are wondering if the pursuit is worth the price. Is that you? A few weeks ago, I decided I needed a new iPad. I haven't had an iPad for years, and I've been doing my sermons on this laptop, and I got to a point where I was like, I need to be able to take these sermons with me if I'm going somewhere, and I don't want to be carrying this big old laptop. So if I get an iPad, I can put them all on there, and then if I get in a situation where I need them, I have them, plus I can, I can work on them you know, if I'm on the road or whatever. And so I wanted to go get an iPad. Now, I've shared with you, church, many times that I have no real technical intelligence, okay? Um, most of the time, if I want or need anything, I go to Andrew and say, please help me, Lord. And so he does. Um, but, but I didn't have time to, to get Andrew's involvement. It was in the middle of the day. And so I said, I'm going to go to Best Buy, and I'm going to look at the iPads. I'm going to talk to the employees that work there because they get paid for something, right? So I get to Best Buy, and I walk in, and the guy comes up to me. He goes, what can I help you with? I said, I'm here to get an iPad. He said, great, come on. So he takes me over the iPad, and as we're walking, I'm telling him everything. I'm like, look, here's what I need. I have a laptop. I'm trying to replace the laptop. The iPad needs to be like a laptop. I need to be able to have this and do that and do this and that. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. I'm sure it was like the simple stuff. You know, he's probably thinking, like, this dude's an idiot. And so we get to the iPads, and there's multiple iPads on this table. And they have this piece of paper beside them, laminated, and it has all of their features. But what's bigger than anything is the price. And so I walk over and I immediately see this one that's, that's $800. And then this one right here that's like $400. And I'm like, it's this guy. This is me right here. He's got me written all over it. This is my name right here. And so I just said to him, I said, I said be honest with me, man. Why would I want to spend $400 more on this iPad than that iPad? You know, tell me. 
And he starts going through, I mean, he was good at his job. I was like, do you, do you make tips? I was like, should I tip you? He's like, he's going through all this stuff about, you know, the, the memory and how much it can hold. And it's adapt, you know, it, I, I, see, I don't even know what the words are. It's adaptable or applicable or something. You know, it's good is what he said. And, and the whole time he's, I'm not lying to you. The whole time he's talking, it just sounds like Charlie Brown. It's like, because all I can see is the price. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, you're wasting your time talking because that number is bigger. Why didn't you make all the features bigger? Why wasn't that font like a 37 and then like the 800 was like a 12? You know what I mean? Like this is bothering me. I couldn't even listen to what he was saying about the product because I could only think about the price. And I think sometimes this is how we approach Christianity. And all these benefits are being talked about and we're hearing about the Bible verse and we're learning that Christ is risen again and we understand that you know, his blood was, and we're hearing all these benefits, but all we can really think about is the price. And we, we honestly struggle listening to the details when it's so expensive. And then I learned something when I was younger. I was once given, I don't know how old I was, about 16, I was once given a, a big chunk of money. What I mean by big chunk of money is about 150 bucks, okay? You rich people, hold off, okay? Um, I really wanted this pair of Jordans. And I spent the night with my friend because we were, his mom was gonna take us to go get in line. This was uh, 10 years ago, probably maybe longer. We were gonna stand in line, much longer, 20 years ago. <laughs> Forgot how old up, 26, guys. Um, and so we're getting ready. And, and the night before, he starts asking me questions about the money. And I, I start talking to him. I'm like, I don't know that I can spend $150 on one pair of shoes. His name was Justin. I was like, Justin, that's expensive, man. I said, I don't know if I can do that. He's like, well, what are you talking about? What are you going to spend it on? I was like, I don't know. I could go to like Marshall's and get like, you know, shoes and clothes and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, well, do whatever you want. He's like, but I'm going to get the Jordans. So I didn't go get the Jordans. A couple weeks later, I went to Marshall's or TJ Maxx or something. And I got this green and purple plaid Ralph Lauren outfit that was a short sleeve button down with shorts. And I got these tan knee high socks. I'm not lying. And I got tan boat shoes. You know what I'm talking about? Boat shoes. I got that whole outfit for $150. Can I tell you something? I should have got the Jordans. <laughs> I wore that outfit to take school pictures in, and then I burned it. You know, but, but what I learned at 16, and what I, it, it helped me with the iPad, because here's where I was finally at. You know what? I'd rather pay the high cost for something that's worth the price than to go cheap and end up wasting it anyway, right? Likewise, for you and I, I understand that following Christ is a high cost, but the sacrifice that you're making is worth it versus the thing that's cheaper and it looks good from a distance or it looks good for now but once you pay for it, you're going to find out it wasn't worth what you paid for. I couldn't help but think, what would have happened if Peter would have said no? You know, what? Peter goes on to preach to see thousands of people saved. He goes on to pastor churches in the name of Christ. He goes on to be one of the main voices and main faces behind the movement of Christianity. I wanted to show you this picture. This is where he ended up being buried at after he died. Look at that. When you like, anybody like to be buried there? 
And then I started thinking about this. How come Jesus didn't lead with that? You know what I mean? This conversation's different between Jesus and Peter. He's like, hey, here's the deal. You're gonna die, but this is what you're gonna be buried in. Peter had been like, oh, it's worth it. I just kept racking my brain going, what happens if Peter says no? What happened if Peter hears that Jesus says, hey, guess what? It's gonna cost you something. Now listen to me. Because it's 2021 and we live in the South, or we live in America, let's put it that way, the chances of it costing you your life, the chances of you having to physically die for your faith are slim. There are people dying for Christianity, don't get me wrong, but the chances of you having to do it in Rutherford County, slim. The chances of you even having physical persecution because you follow Christ is slim. But just because you won't die doesn't mean that something isn't going to die. It's going to cost you something. It might cost you your flesh, your desires, your opinion, your will, your way. In order for you and I to follow Jesus, watch this, there's going to be a time where you are going to have to say no to you. And the question is, are you ready to make that sacrifice? But hear this, the one thing that you and I are most reluctant to give up has the most potential to become a substitute for him. Whatever it is that you are most reluctant to give up, oh, it's gonna cost too much. That thing has the most potential to replace him as your God. You say, man, Troy, look, it would have been so easy for Peter. You're trying to compare us to Peter, the fact that Peter said, even though I'm gonna die, I'm still gonna follow Jesus. You're trying to compare us now, sitting in here, to Peter. Peter was staring at the face of a resurrected Christ. Aren't we? So are we. If we've learned anything over the past 28 weeks, it's that Jesus Christ is alive and he is resurrected and he is with us and he's giving you and me and you the same invitation. Will you follow me? And then I thought this, if Peter could speak to us today, if all of a sudden I was like, and guys, special guest is here, give it up for Peter. And he walked in looking like a dude from Big Trouble in Little China, you know what I mean? He's all super old and wrinkly and he comes out and he could speak to you. Here's what I think he would say. I think he would say, following Jesus may cost you something, but not following him is going to cost you so much more. Right? So I said all of that to say this. I'm gonna challenge you. Talking to two people. Number one are those that have never accepted Christ as your savior. Whether you're watching online, whether you're here in person, you say, I wanna follow Jesus. It's the first time I've ever walked into church and understood what the guy was saying. It's the first time I've ever felt, I feel something here. That's the presence of God. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Bible says all you have to do is believe in your heart that Christ died for your sins and confess with your mouth and you can be saved. I want to encourage you to do that. 
If you text that number that I talked about at the beginning of the service, you can mark a little box that talks about salvation. We can reach out to you. We can connect with you and we can do our best to disciple and guide you. You can be saved. Salvation is free. It's to everyone. And now let me talk to the other group. Those of you, you're already saved. You've already believed in Christ dying for your sins. You're here because of it. I just want to challenge you. Jesus, when he says, follow me, the idea isn't that he's just going to kind of walk around and kind of, a, can, can I, and just, he wants to interfere in your life. He doesn't want to just apply makeup. He wants to do a makeover. You know what I mean? But as I said before, it can't be generic. It has to be specific. And it needs to start right now. Because what we'll do is we'll say, all right, tomorrow morning, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then your boss emails you and it's the worst Monday you've ever had. You got to decide right now. Jesus, I want to follow you. And then you have to trust him to do the rest. As I said earlier, you just got to turn when he turns. You abide in him, he abides in you. And I've already made you this commitment as a church that starting in that next series, week by week, I'm going to show you practically how to live for and like Jesus. But you need to make a decision right now that you choose to follow Christ. Even though it's going to cause you to say no to you. Amen? Should have put a joke at the end. It's heavy in this room, but I think, I think it's a powerful moment. The next two weeks, we're going to celebrate the fact that Christ is resurrected. We're going to see people come and be saved. We're going to have all kinds of fun together. But I think it's important for us personally to make sure that we're committed to following Jesus. Because if you follow him, you will find life. If you've ever asked yourself, I promise I'll pray and we'll leave. If you ever asked yourself, how come I come to church but nothing changes? How come I listen to worship music in the car but, but nothing changes? Or, or I feel good for a couple of hours and it fades away. Because there is a difference in being invited to church and being invited to follow Christ. And that's my prayer for you, and that's my prayer for me. That we would enter into that kind of commitment and follow him. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room. One thing that your Holy Spirit does that I'll never be able to do is you can speak right to the heart of every individual, different situations, different circumstances. You can tug at their heartstrings. You can speak to them right now, supernaturally. They already know what the thing is that they don't want to give up. They already know why it seems like such an expensive cost. They already know the thing you've been telling them to do that they've been refusing to do. But Father, you don't say it in condemnation. You say it in love and it brings conviction. 
And it helps us understand that if we want to experience life to the fullest, it happens when we follow you. And so I pray right now for every person as they're walking out today, they'll already be thinking of things they can do, ways that they can do it your way, ways they can say no to themselves and yes to you. I pray they'll talk about it with their family. I pray husbands will step up and be the men of God of the household. I pray that we'll get back to reading your Bible, back to praying, back to sharing your gospel, that we become committed and dedicated to serving you and worshiping you and living for you. And Father, it's in that invitation to follow you that we find life. I pray for those that are giving their heart to you today, who are believing in you for the first time. I know they'll be passionate. I pray that we'll be able to disciple them. And then Father, you'll put us together as a church to be able to influence even more. Thank you, Father, for the blood. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I can find fulfillment. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you that I don't have to memorize the whole Old Testament to follow you. Thank you that you call out to me and I don't have to apply to you. Come on, with your eyes closed, however you would, just take a moment, just begin to put your mind on him, worshiping him, thanking him for the invitation to follow him so that all of his blessing and all of his favor could then be on us. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we worship you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.